On today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm actually really excited about this one. This one, we're going to actually take an article written by Redfin and Redfin's prediction for the market in 2024. And then we're going to actually put it up against what I think is going to happen. Now, I'm not an industry. Well, I guess I would be an industry expert, but I'm not an economist. I not write articles for Redfin, but I do have an opinion on these things. And I am in the market so I can see exactly what's going on as we have a bunch of houses on the market currently. We're noticing changes. We're noticing things that swings in the market. And then also I do a ton of research on economics in the market to know what's going on so that I can make wise fiduciary decisions for our investors. And so I think it's a really important thing for us to go through things like this. And a lot of people have no idea what's going on. I hope that this can be a really cool place for you all to kind of listen and almost strategize and make a plan for you as you decide you want to invest into real estate in the future at some point. And I think this could be really helpful for you. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into this article. I'm going to put the link in the notes down below and let's go ahead and walk through it. Welcome to Entree Real Estate, where we turn the complexities of real estate into clear, actionable steps for building generational wealth. I've invested into different types of real estate all over the United States, and I run a thriving real estate fund. Join me as we document the entrepreneurial journey of scaling businesses and transforming the lives of tens of thousands of people around the world. Let's turn your real estate dreams into reality. Buckle up, because this is the start of something truly incredible. My name is Devin Robinson, and welcome to Entree Real Estate. So here's an article here. It says Redfin predicts 2024 will be the year home buyers catch a break with home prices falling and new listings rising. So right off the bat, I'm going to be honest, I don't quite agree with this headline. And let's go ahead and see what their prediction number one is because I don't agree with it. It says prediction number one, home prices will fall 1%. Okay, here is why I don't think this is going to happen. I think there are too many people on the sidelines waiting for interest rates to drop to jump back into the market. I think because of that, that's going to cause a supply and demand issue, which then is going to push the prices of properties up again. I know a lot of institutional buyers are waiting until we get around that 6% rate. Currently today, as of January 11th, we were at 6.76% interest rates on the 30-year fixed mortgage. I think we're around 6.1% on an FHA or a VA loan. So pretty good. Uh, And and I know as soon as we get down below that 6% mark, people are going to flood the market come into and and be buying at a really high rate. I think that honestly, I'll say right now, I think that between January right now and where we are and March is going to be one of the best times to buy houses next year. Probably I believe that interest rates are going to drop in this first quarter enough that uh, people are going to start flooding the market. And when that happens, we are going to see all the people that were sitting on the sidelines waiting for interest rates to drop because affordability was really low and uh, the interest rates made it so that you couldn't either cash flow on a property or you couldn't afford the mortgage on the property. And so I think that it going sub 6% will bring one, the institutional buyers off of the sidelines, and then it'll also bring a lot of FHA, VA, and just regular conventional loan buyers off of the sidelines to purchasing properties. I've already seen a huge uptick in people that are out on the market. So we had properties on the market in Q4 of last year. And my goodness, to get people to schedule showings and make offers was like pulling teeth. It was horrible. Q4 historically is the worst time of a year to sell property because you've, you're fighting against holidays. You're fighting against weather. You're fighting against travel. You're fighting against all and vacations. And then January is one of the hottest times that in, you know, like in the past five months, that, that there is for buying properties. We've seen a huge uptick in the amount of showings that we have on properties and offers that are coming in, which is extremely encouraging to us, but that's with interest rates being at 6.7%. 
Can you imagine when interest rates drop down below 6%? We're starting to get offers from major institutions like Amherst and Progress. And we're starting to get offers at 6.7% interest rate. When those things drop below 6 these funds and these institutions know that this, we're not going to see another 2 to 3% interest rate zone again. They're going to act really quickly to be able to purchase that property. Heck, I know banks like Chase Bank, BlackRock, BlackRock set aside $50 billion to buy single family properties. Chase Bank set aside $3 billion to buy single family properties. So all these banks are waiting until they're, they can hit their cap rates to be able to make a profit on these properties year over year on renting out these properties. And so I think that they're going to take advantage of that once that gets below six. All of that plays into the house prices. I think that we're not going to see an astronomical rise in appreciation like we saw two years ago, but we are going to still see appreciation because even though affordability is still down from the normal mom and pop that's trying to buy a property, these institutions and banks that have been sitting on the sidelines for a year and a half to two years that are going to come in and want to buy now, that is going to make the prices continually go up, not necessarily through just because of the value of the properties going up, but through forced appreciation in their offers. They're going to be very, very bullish on single family. They're going to be very aggressive on their offers. We're going to get back to competing. We're going to get back to over asking price offers. We're going to get back to multiple offers. And I think that's what's going to sustain the appreciation on these properties. And I don't think we're going to see house prices drop 1% over this year. I, I really do think we're going to continue to see appreciation, mainly because the people that have been waiting for interest rates to drop to buy properties, that is going to continually push the prices of houses up because they're going to keep bidding against each other. Prediction number two, new listings will tick up. Okay, I, be, I, I agree with this. Uh, I saw an article that said 86% of people feel trapped by their interest rate because I think the statistics are 90% of people that have a mortgage on a property is below 6%. 82.4% are below 5%. 62% of mortgages are below 4%. Almost 25% of mortgages are under 3%. These are crazy numbers. I think a lot of people are not going to be selling their properties because they feel trapped in that. But I think a lot of people also saw a ton of appreciation in their property. And, and there's some people that are getting older who have a ton of appreciation in their property. Really, they became equity rich. They have so much equity in their home and honestly don't want to deal with the upkeep on a home. So they're more likely to sell their property, move into something like an assisted living community or into an apartment where they don't have to worry about mowing the lawn, maintenance. If they can take their equity that they've got, then they can sit on that essentially for the rest of their life. And so I do see a lot of people still continuing to list their property because they became really equity rich during this mass appreciation time, even though they have low interest rates. We are taking over property subject to. So, I mean, just the first two weeks of the year, we're going to buy four houses subject to. We are taking, all four of them are 3.9% and lower on the interest rates. And so we are seeing still people move out of their house. We also are still seeing people being foreclosed on their house. And so that's one of the things that you also have to take into account is that COVID also had a lot of people lose their jobs. And because of that, they fell behind. Uh, they never got caught up and now they're getting foreclosed on. So even though foreclosures are still at like an all-time low, they still are at like a 10-year high. So like we're still seeing a lot of foreclosures happening. And so people are still going to be selling their properties in that time. I do think we'll see a rise in the amount of houses on the market, mostly because of the amount of distress that's in the market. And so you're going to have a lot of people like me who are investors coming in, buying these properties, flipping them, and then listing them. 
So we're not keeping them unless we can keep that interest rate as well. And that's also a thing that plays into the amount of people putting houses on the market is like for us right now, currently, we're not buying houses for rentals because at 6.7%, there's not a lot of cash flow to be found in that. We are buying all of our properties right now. Any property that we buy right now is to be flipped for a profit for returns for our investors. But anything that we can subject to, we're going to keep as a rental. So the balance is still pretty nice. We are flipping over 20 houses right now, but we also in the past month bought nine subject twos as, and that we're keeping as rentals. So the balance is still like kind of nice, but I do think that you will see a lot more houses go on the market as well. All right, now let's pick it up to number three. Home sales will increase in the year up 5%. In the first quarter, existing home sales will be on pace for 4.1 million total in 2024 up from an annual pace of 3.85 million from the fourth quarter of 2023. Okay, so that makes sense. So they're just saying like Q4 of 2023, there was 3.8 million. Q4 of 2024, there's 4.5 million. So that makes sense. That's literally like the same thing they just said. Home sales will increase. New listings will tick up. I think like if new listing ticks to tick up, then of course home sales are going to increase. (laughs) Sounds pretty obvious. Prediction number four, mortgage rates will steadily decline but remain above 6%. Totally disagree here. I don't actually know how many articles you're going to find that will say this. So I'm actually really shocked that they say this. I wonder what their data looks like here. Okay, so they're looking at 7.3% in Q4 2023. And then they have Q1 of 2024 at 7%. This was, that makes sense. This was written December 5th. We already see that that's not true, right? We're at 6.7%. We got as low as 6.6%. And I do think that, right, in the next couple of weeks, in the next month, we'll get down to under 6.5%. It's going to continue to tick down. I think we'll be in the mid fives by the end of this year. And then I think into next year, I think we'll be in the low fives. I think we might even get into the fours by the end of next year. So I'm really bullish on interest rates going down, partially because I do think the Fed did a pretty decent job, better than everybody expected, at controlling inflation here in America. I do think that now that they've done, they're done with their quantitative tightening, then I think that like we're easing out of it, right? So you've got quantitative tightening and you've got quantitative easing. Tightening is when they're actually eliminating the amount of cash that's in our system. They're actually burning dollars. Easing is when they are actually printing money. And so when they're doing a lot of QE to stimulate the economy, that's when you see inflation happen. QT, quantitative tightening, is when they are kind of, I mean, like I think literally burning money. They are taking dollars out of the economy to tighten inflation, to loosen inflation, but also that's when interest rates start to rise. That's when our economy becomes a little bit more compressed. So I think that in this process, they're going to be re-stimulating the economy. Interest rates are going to be dropping, encouraging people to buy. And, and I do think that as our economy becomes a little bit more healthy, you will see interest rates drop. And I think that's just part of the way that the Fed mitigates uh, a ton of exposure or exposure to a recession is by controlling the amount of money that's in our economy. And interest rates are a big part of that as well, so that people can actually use that money, can actually borrow that money, can re-stimulate the economy and bring us back into a really healthy place. And so I, I think that as we've come out of what seems to be like a really harsh time of QT, of eliminating a lot of those dollars, raising that interest rate, now we're coming out of that and we'll see that houses become a little bit more affordable. People are going to be purchasing properties and that interest rate will continue to drop to continue to stimulate the economy. Prediction five, a change will come to a real estate industry. Oh, I definitely see this coming. They're talking about is what happened when all of these really large real estate companies got sued. So I do think that we're going to see a lot more people not use buyer's agents in the future because they become 
they're, they're, they understand what's going on. They're looking at articles now. They're understanding that, oh, hey, look, this is how much an agent made off of me when they didn't really didn't need to make it. And all they did was find the house. That doesn't make much sense, which like, I, I agree. Real estate agents are fine. I think they're awesome. They serve a purpose. They do a great job. Uh, I don't always think they're necessary. We only use agents to list. We don't really use agents to buy. Uh, unless we're in like Florida and Florida, if you don't use a buyer's agent, then the listing agents gets like 7%. So they double dip. I think two parts. I think it's going to hinder the the lower class because you, a lot of the lower class don't have access to the ability to find these good houses, to be able to negotiate with these sellers, to have the understanding of what they can negotiate. Also with that, if they want an agent, then they actually have to pay the the buyer's agent's commission. And typically what happens is the buyer's agent commissions comes out of the seller. So the seller has been paying the seller commission and the buyer's commission. Like, think about that. I'm the seller and I'm literally paying the person that is negotiating for me to make less money. That doesn't make any sense, which is why they got sued. But if you're a buyer, you're having to come to closing with money to purchase the property. And then now you have to pay your agent $7,000. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, that's literally just coming out of your pocket for them to find you a house when like you can just go on Zillow and find your own house. Another part of that is too, if a buyer does have an agent and the seller says that they do not want to pay that buyer's agent fee, then that agent's just not going to show that property. And so then sellers are going to have less exposure as well. So it's going to be really interesting moving into what the industry is going to look like as far as retail real estate agents. I'm a real estate investor. Don't really mess with agents much. I don't really use them a lot unless they're listing one of our properties. And so I think it'd be really interesting to see what happens in 2024 when it comes to the agents. Here's like a hot take, hot take. I think with the introduction of artificial intelligence and blockchain, I think the first two industries that are going to take a huge hit are going to be lawyers and agents. Because if everything can be done with artificial intelligence, scoring a 98% on the bar exam, right? The Harvard Yale, whatever, bar exam. And if smart contracts can be handled on the blockchain, then I think that really eliminates the needs for a ton of attorneys and real estate agents. So I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that industry in general. Prediction six, renting will lose its stigma. Highly, highly agree with this. I think this is like a really unfortunate take, but I think this is also a very true take. I think that we are moving into a corporate America. And what I mean by that is I strongly believe that my kids and their friends will never have the ability to purchase a property in the future. This doesn't mean that my kids aren't going to have properties because I'm going to leave them properties. So they'll own properties, they'll have them, but because I've left them for them, there will be no properties left for them to buy. And if they do, it's an astronomical value that most people will not be able to afford because Looking at the statistics, one out of every four houses, 25% of all houses that were bought last year and the year before were all bought by institutions and banks with $50 billion in money that BlackRock has and $3 billion that Chase Banks has and not to mention all of the other banks that are saving money and heck, like my fund, we're a smaller institution buying up properties there's not going to be any properties left for our kids to have that are going to be affordable for them. And so I think even by force, we're going to be moving into like a, a rental America, a corporate owned America that where really everybody just rents out their properties. But also this article is talking about, it's honestly just less expensive to rent, right? You don't have to have a mortgage that you're paying interest on. You don't have to have fees for paying a realtor. You literally are just paying your security deposit and your rent. And then you can move in and everything's taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about mowing the lawn or fixing the roof or fixing the AC. All that stuff is taken care of in your rent. 
And so it just makes it a lot easier. It also allows you to be a lot more transient, which we can see that millennials and Gen Zers or whoever, whatever else generation it is, people who want to travel more and go. And so without being weighed down by a mortgage and the responsibilities that come with owning a house, it makes it a lot easier to just rent, honestly. And you just base it on whatever your rental stipulations are in your in your contract, how how long your term is, you can kind of just get up and go and move to different places and do different things, especially as people become more remote and working, become more entrepreneurial in spirit and become more adventurous. They can just kind of go. And I think renting really allows you to do that. Whereas owning a house keeps you a little bit more constrained to that house. Prediction number seven, Biden has a housing problem, which could hurt his reelection bid. Okay, this is really interesting. So sure, yes, the Biden thing. And I think a lot of this is gonna talk about how houses became significant, 20% more unaffordable while he was in office. That's a huge number. That's not like a little number. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house, depending on how big the house is, less affordable it is for people to buy it. And so uh, I think that those numbers are gonna hurt him. I think the numbers are like 65% of voters are not pleased. They disprove his handling of the economy, which makes sense. I don't know many people that actually approve of it. And this is not a political take. This is just kind of reality. And so I think that sure, that's going to be one of the many things that hurts his uh, re-election bid. But I, I actually see a systemic issue with affordable housing. I'm not even talking about lower caste class affordable housing. I'm talking about middle class affordable housing. I think the middle class is actually going to be the one to get pushed out the most because you've got low income subsidized affordable housing, which makes people with low income easier for them to be able to get houses. And we rent out 30% of the houses that we own to affordable housing. And then you have the upper class that could afford those houses. In Charlotte, North Carolina, the median house price is $460,000. Do you know how much you have to make in order to afford a house that's $460,000? You have to have an household income of at least $125,000 to $160,000 to afford a house that's $450,000. So what's happening is the middle class that makes anywhere between sixty dollars and $100,000 cannot afford a house. So when I say affordable housing, I'm not talking about lower income people. I'm talking about the hardworking American middle class people cannot even afford a house. And so this is a really interesting time that we're running into because interest rates, inflation, appreciation, the amount of competition we're going to start seeing as interest rates drop, these are all things that are going to contribute to the unaffordability of houses, which are going to push people towards renting and then widen the wealth gap in America. So I think this is going to be a really interesting next couple of years we go into to see people flock towards renting properties, not even because they necessarily want to, which we just talked about. There's a lot of reasons why people want to, but almost because they have to. And so that's one of the big things for us as a real estate fund and investors, we are working really hard to do is to provide 30% of the houses that we rent out to affordable housing. And so we're working with the city of Charlotte right now to be able to set that up and make it happen because it is a huge systemic issue that needs to be addressed. Okay, so there's a couple more things that they say. They're off of their major points here. They're, they no longer have the bigger points. They have a couple of things that are a little bit more, a little bit smaller than they're addressing here. They say prices will fall a lot in some metros and rise in others. Sure, <laughs> that's just how it works. And I do agree with that. Like, right, you saw when the, when the huge drop happened in 2021-2022, you saw places like Arizona and Utah and Nevada dropping 40% in house value, whereas in Charlotte, we dropped 8%. So I think it's just because of the nature of the people that are flocking there, the, the supply and demand that's there. 
and then also the people that are leaving there, right? You've got California. I think it's going to still continue to appreciate a little bit because of how expensive California is, because honestly, the appreciation also happens because of inflation. So it's not even necessarily because of the value of the house, but because of appreciation. So it's going to be really interesting. But I do think that you will see prices drop in California and some of these other places, like they say some of the Florida coast places, the less desirable places to live. And then, but that's just literally because of supply and demand. That's not even like a, yeah, of course, that's just how the economy works. And they also say people will decide uh, where to live on in-office policies, climate risk and affordability concerns. That makes sense. It's really interesting to see a lot of companies going back to in-office like, hey, you guys had a really good time traveling and working from home. It's not going to happen like that. We've noticed a sharp drop in productivity. And I've actually seen a bunch of articles come out with this and talking about how during the pandemic, it was really hyped up on how much more productive it was to work at home and all these things. And now we're seeing how way less productive it is to work at home. And people that are going back to office are far more productive And the cool thing is some of these companies are adjusting to like four-day work weeks, which I think is also really, really healthy. And I think a really good thing um, because you do see a boost in productivity. This is fascinating. They said more local governments will adopt a land value tax to make homes more affordable and promote building. What a land value tax is right now in America, houses, land is taxed on land. And then the taxes don't rise until you put a house on it. What a lot of people are doing is they're saying, hey, I might as well just keep that land. And then I'm going to leave that to my kids because if I actually build on that land, then they reevaluate the value of that land based on the asset that I put on it. And if I put a really nice asset on it, I'm going to get taxed out the wazoo and I might not have the money to pay those taxes. And I might default on those taxes and I might get foreclosed on I'm just going to kick the can down the road, leave it to my kids, and then they're going to have to take care of the taxes if they build something on it. So what they're proposing to do here is going to a land value tax. And so what that means is instead of just saying, oh, hey, we're going to just go off the value of the land as if it were empty, we're going to go off the potential of this land, depending on if this had a, and I don't know what kind of standard they're going to use, but if this had a 3-2-1500 square foot house on it or the possibilities of this being, because it's zoning, being a multifamily one. And then we're going to tax you based on that. And then what they're saying is that will help the housing crisis and the lim- and how limited we are with housing, because it will force people to go, you know what? I'm going to get taxed the same either way. I might as well build the asset on it and either sell it or rent it out so I can at least make some cash flow off of it. I thought that was really interesting. And I think that's a really interesting concept because one, it does encourage people to build more, which two parts good because supply and demand isn't as high. And so then the prices of houses begin to level off, but bad as well, because that's what caused the 2008 crisis is overbuilding. And one of the last things they talked about is more homeowners will use their home as an ATM pulling out cash to cover credit card debt and home renovations. I think that's, that's good. I would suggest people with low interest rates to just use a HELOC. Honestly, you can use something that's at a 6% interest rate or right now an 8% interest rate for some HELOCs and pay off something that's at a 22% interest rate, then I think you're saving money and you should probably go that route. But I don't suggest people with those low interest rates to refi and pull the cash out unless they're pulling out enough cash to be able to put it aside and then compensate for the growth in their mortgage. So this is a really interesting article. Of course, like I disagree with some, I agree with some, but I think it's cool for you all to hear me as I talk through it, use kind of, I guess, my market and real estate expertise to apply it to this article. And so you can kind of formulate a investment strategy for you. If you want to be more passive and invest into something like 
be a private lender for real estate companies or invest into a fund or diversify into alternative assets. I think that could also be good things for you to think through. Or if you want to be a little bit more active and invest into real estate, then it's good to know and hear these things as you plan and prepare for them to know where the market's going and what the market's doing. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. I appreciate you. If you're listening and you like it, please feel free to share this to uh, anybody you like and leave a review. That would mean the absolute world to me. And if you want to kind of talk back and forth, because this is a very one-way conversation, join a free Facebook group that I have. I go live in there pretty often just to talk about different strategies and to answer some questions in there. That is realliferei.com. Again, realliferei.com. I'd love to see you in there. would love to chop it up with you and get to know you. So thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing, amazing week, weekend, day, wherever you are. And I look forward to jumping on here again. Thanks so much.